With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Oscar's Playback on the Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce St. Joyce. It's another wonderful night for Oscar. Oscar, Oscar, and we're doing it at night. Another must-see TV. But it's not Monday. It's not. It's, no. it's Wednesday? Yes, it's it's Meryl Streep's birthday. Happy birthday, Meryl Streep. She's not nominated this one year. One of the rare times in the 1990s we're doing one of these, and Meryl Streep is not showing up as a nominee. Uh, but we're here to do the 93 Oscars, Joyce. Yes, it's the, the 65th. Or as it was known during the broadcast, the year of the woman but was it though not according to anyone who watched it or talked about it at the time or now watching it back it's it's a tough watch uh <laughs> this is this is 1993 oscars it was a monday march 29th 1993 another nine o'clock start and a three hour 33 minute show so not bad again shorter than this year's mm-hmm. uh 45.7 million viewers watched unforgiven win best picture that was up from about 1.3 million from the year before when Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture. So, yeah. Richard Gere, uh, when he when he stopped filibustering about freeing Tibet, uh, said that a billion people were watching during this show. Maybe he was exaggerating. I maybe he meant around the world. So that but that was the, that was the type of level of audience they were expecting in the 90s a billion people are going to watch the academy awards well if you recall when we when we did the the shakespeare year you read a quote from the abc executive um how they were just like besides themselves that they went down to just 45 million because it, it was off such a, a run they were off of titanic it, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. And then that, that guy was bemoaning that maybe they needed a Star Wars movie to get nominated. Yes. Yeah. Which was uh, Phantom Menace. Good, good, good try. Lots of nominations yeah. for Star Wars. Maybe yeah. next time. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this is a, this is like, uh, I would say from my perspective, the 1992 in film, we'll talk about this great year for film, another great year, a lot of, a lot of faves. And again, another solid tell. I mean, the, the nominees, I could have uh, some quibbles, but I think like you're going Silence of Lambs, Unforgiven, and then Schindler's List after this is the year after, right? Uh, that's like three incredibly good winners three years in a row. Yeah, um, I actually like Unforgiven. Me too. Uh, yeah. It's really good. I, I like Clint Eastwood movies, not as much as like most film Twitter people do, I think. I think there's like a, there's like a, not a vulgar, vulgar, tourism around Eastwood but I feel like a lot of his like late stage movies people are just like damn there's Clint doing it again and I'm just like so I'm not den- like cry macho and the mule you know I'm just like they're not necessarily for me I'd say not even Sully was really for me but I mean his late his recent output you know I uh perhaps not his best but I don't think I think with the with, with Unforgiven 
it it is definitely nowadays i feel like it's such a deep cliche to be like revisionist western because all westerns now are revisionist basically but, but at was. the time it's like was really novel right like unforgiven was like oh here's this like great hero clint eastwood and his character is actually like a terrible murderer who like is an awful human being but is somehow less awful than gene hackman who is amazing in this movie just a great time to be gene hackman it like and that movie also just elevated the genre yeah and it traded in on obviously his persona i also think that i think that we we talked about this actually last week because we're not doing these in any normal order but last week we did dance with wolves over uh goodfellas i i prefer this unforgiven yeah 100 yeah. but i think also one of the things that helped unforgiven like kind of like steamroll through the academy awards is that the backlash to dances with wolves was almost immediate i would say right like people are like goodfellas is a better movie dance with wolves is like high in its own supply kevin costner high on his own supply and here's clint eastwood just coming in being like just gonna do down a dirty western take down my own you know mystique and it's gonna be great and i think that really helped it too there is um you don't have the right edition of inside i know thank you for reading grab um like one of the section titles about the the release of unforgiven and the, the section title is Roll Over Kevin Costner. It's true. Though, we'll go, let's go through 92 in film. Kevin Costner perhaps having the last laugh there because The Bodyguard was just a massive hit. Number two movie of the year, uh, 400 million worldwide with him and, and, and Whitney Houston. And I, I could argue, well, we'll talk about this in the ceremony. Both of them, I think, had a case to be nominated. I think The Bodyguard's a good movie. I think The Bodyguard could have should have been nominated for best picture <laughs> the bodyguard is like a star is born bradley cooper version before a star is born basically i think there's a lot of similarities Kevin Costner did not write and direct this no but it feels like he actually did and i wouldn't be surprised if he had like a strong uh authorship because no offense to final Mick- cut <laughs> well i'm just like no offense to mick jackson but it's like not a director i think of great renown and i i feel like kevin Costner would have maybe been able to he did, he did produce it so he would have had like, have a strong say yeah. in the matter yeah. um the number one movie of the year was aladdin love, which, aladdin love aladdin so uh a lot of these movies I actually saw in the theater I, I feel like every week i'm always like i didn't see a lot of movies in theater and then i'm like oh i saw most of these in the theater i also saw uh so this was the year i was in high school i guess and uh still bad at math <laughs> i think i was 14 78 <laughs> to 92 14 you were 14 i was seven so <laughs> i watched aladdin we my my school marching band joyce marched in the rose bowl parade oh wow congratulations yeah it was really fun and i think that was the 1993 rose bowl parade and if i remember correctly uh aladdin was on vhs by the time that came out and i remember watching it on the bus to the rose bowl parade um okay so that was when I saw Aladdin. I did not see Aladdin in the theater, but a great movie. Love Aladdin. Have watched it with my daughter since. Still fun. Rob Williams also should have gotten nominated, I would say. Fantastic voice performance. Um, yeah, I, I saw Aladdin in the theaters and then I saw it again in school. So in my um, elementary school, like during recess, uh, if it's good weather, you had outdoor days. So you just go and play outside. But mm-hmm. if it's bad weather, it's indoor day. So you go into the auditorium and watch a movie. So I saw a lot of movies on uh, indoor day. 
right. and Aladdin was one of them. So oftentimes I would have seen the movie and then indoor day, like it's just like more, they just show like kids movies basically. So I just see these movies again and again. Yeah, and Aladdin was one of them. So Aladdin, I just looked it up, Joyce. Aladdin, actually, I saw it. 90, we went to the 94 Rose Bowl Parade. So I oh, saw wow. it on a year later, a year behind. But I still saw Aladdin. Good movie. Uh, Bodyguard, I definitely saw on VHS. It was number two movie. Number three was Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Great, great movie. Quote it all the time. Wow, what a hole. Uh, I remember thinking, here's where I, here's one. The Home Alone 2 was one of the first experiences where, not that I thought it was bad, but I remember being like, this maybe isn't as good as the first one. Well, this is something we've talked about before where like this was the 90s, the era of sequels where this, the second movie like may not make a lot of sense, but they just go bigger. Right. So this movie went so big, they turned Kevin McAllister into a full-on sociopath murderer. But because it's a cartoon, uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Sterner are not dead by the end of this movie. But he's throwing like bricks off like apartment buildings into their faces basically if i remember correctly yeah i mean it's just the plot of the first one but in new york correct and brenda fricker is there and donald trump whatever happened to that guy joyce i don't know weird uh basic instinct number four uh not a movie i saw in the theater though i definitely saw it on vhs uh around the same time uh and i recently we rewatched it and it is just an absolute banger it is so good. This movie rules. I, I have not seen this movie in a while. <laughs> I cannot tell you how good it is. It's such a great thriller. Everyone in it is just on another level. I love it so much. Great score. Great performances. Also should have been nominated for Best Picture, as I'll talk about. But uh, that's the number four movie. Lethal Weapon 3. So here's a time where uh, the biggest movie star in the world, and certainly for me, I talked about this to you earlier on Slack, uh, Joe Pesci. Just all over the place. They they put Joe Pesci in Leo Le- Lethal Weapon 3. They screw you at the drive-thru, Joyce, that they put Joe Pesci in, in Lethal Weapon 3. He's in Home Alone 2. He's got my cousin Vinny, which rules. Uh, th- off of Goodfellas, off of the original Home Alone. What a time. Yeah, the 90s, early 90s especially, great time for Joe Pesci and Emma Thompson. Yes. <laughs> I was not as, surprisingly, you'll, you'll be shocked to know, I was not as hip to Emma Thompson at 14. Were you aware of Emma Thompson in 1992. Yes, because all of these British movies ran together for me and they were all just like stuff I'm never going to see. That was really what it was like. I'm like, this is for grownups and I don't care. Like, I'm sorry, Howard's in. You just see like a, a British costume drama and you're like, no. Like that, yeah. that's what I would do. I remember I actually watched most of these in college. Like when I think maybe like sophomore year, I did a screenwriting class. And we had to watch a lot of the Merchant Ivory movies. And I was like, oh, they're actually not bad. But that was like my first experience. I like Howard's on. Batman Returns. Uh, another banger. Batman Returns. Saw it in the theater. Love it so much. Uh, a Few Good Men, which I love. Unequivocally love. Though I actually think it's not as good as the rewatchables crowd would have you believe. Uh, I think it's fine. But it's, it's a very good. It's a good movie. Um, I, I don't think it's a movie that anyone like truly loves, you know, like has like, like hardcore stands, but most people like the movie and enjoy the movie. So the, the thing, I also rewatched this one within the last few years. Uh, the thing, the reason it, it is like so fondly remembered and I think people are like, I love that movie is because clearly like the, you can't handle the truth and like the ending is unbelievably good. Just amazing, Nicholson, amazing crews, great Sorkin dialogue. 
And then there's like a funny, the crew scene when he's like, Rocco Clubbo's school for women or whatever, right? When he's like drunk and he's like got his baseball bat, great stuff. Uh, those are two great moments. The rest of the movie's fine. It's totally fine. Uh, um, it's fine. And then um, I think it's it's funny because like I think to most people or like the general public like the movies just condense down to that one scene now like you can't handle the truth yes. so um and I think most people just know that even without having seen the movie that's one of the things about this year I feel like is we, we talked about this actually I think again last week with like the memes these were like memes before memes but a lot of these movies are were memed immediately and you don't even have to see it. Well, it's not on this list clearly. And we'll talk about it a lot probably, but like the crying game and the twist for the crying game, most people did not see that movie, but largely everyone understood the reference and like the uncomfortable jokes throughout the Oscars were like not lost on the audience, I would say. And also just wild because even after the movie was out, they were still trying to keep it a secret. Yes. Don't spoil the end game, Joyce. Uh, there was the original don't spoil the end game it's been 30 years i can't spoil it no no now we could spoil it but i'm saying like that that was this was the original don't spoil the end game don't spoil the crying game uh sister act was a number eight grossing movie of the year saw that in the theater really loved it bram stoker's dracula which i remember seeing on cable and it's a little a little a little a little was a little out there for me i would say at the time i have not seen it in a long time Um, i haven't seen it in a while either um but i didn't like it uh as a great score i don't even remember the score i remember actually watching it on uh cable because i loved winona Ryder and, and keanu reeves i was like oh they're 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 contemporaries of i like those people you know so i'll watch it and then wayne's world number 10 uh great movie just love it so good but again another movie full meme but bohemian rhapsody i would say that was the first time i had ever heard bohemian rhapsody joyce so 1992 was a big year for me and queen because yeah. obviously Bo Rap here. And then my favorite movie and the best movie of 1992 is The Mighty Ducks. Yeah. It's October 2nd. I've heard you enjoy that movie. Uh, I, I, it's, it's the best. Um, that, well, D2 is the best of the trilogy, but this is like my like gateway. This was the, the formative movie of my childhood. And this is like really when I started to become like obsessed with movies and like really pay attention to movies but um we are the champions is played in great. it great song so, great yeah. movie they, they use we are champions they use we will rock you also in d2 so this is like my exposure to queen <laughs> in 1992 uh cannot say i remember much about mighty ducks i remember I definitely watch seen, it. it's it's is it still uh, good does it hold up it's i watch it all like the the three movies i watched d3 at least everyone agrees like it's the worst is Emilio Estevez in the third one he's in the third one but he only agreed to do the third one um it like like he 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 did one week on the third one because he just wanted uh Disney to finance his film that he wanted to direct so they're like okay fine so the main coach in the third one is coach Orion Jeffrey Nordling who gives a really great speech about confidence and like playing defense like he he he's actually a good coach and he actually teaches them how to play hockey Gordon Mame is not actually a good coach but he's he's like a good guy and um yeah so like this movie I I did not see in the theater and it was I discovered it because of my friend who's a family friend and I still vividly remember this he 
ran into my house and I was upstairs in my parents' room watching TV and he was like, Joyce, I got to show you something. And it was a VHS and we watched it and I was just instantly in love with it. And I wanted to own my own copy of the movie, but instead of asking my mom to go out and buy it, I made her <laughs> just record it on a VHS. And if you don't know how this was done in the nineties, you have to hook two VCRs to each other. Yes. And then you play the tape, like the, the original tape in one and like the blank tape or the tape you want to tape on another. And then you have to play the entire movie to do it. And I wanted full credits, obviously. So we watched it again. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then I eventually got like the, the real VHS of it, obviously. That's so. awesome. I used it. Yeah. That's how you had to do it. Also like VHS were like not prohibitively expensive, but not like now where you can buy like something like 10 bucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also it, it, it bothered me because D1, as it's retroactively called, was in the slip case, but D2 and D3 were in the puffy case. I uh, can't have that. Yeah. And I was, oh I always wanted them to release D1 in the puffy case, but they never did. And I eventually got them on DVD. So yeah. And now they're on Disney plus. So you should watch it with your daughter. Okay. I will, I will actually rewatch it. That was a great time for kids sports movies. So movies, I mean, it's, I think that might, and like, varying levels like obviously like major league wasn't for kids but i've definitely watched that like that was like in that realm yeah 90s kids uh, movies little best. big league rookie of the year mighty ducks a lot of good a lot of good i will also say that mighty ducks d1 this was uh, a little bit more mature yes. than like your average uh kids sports movie in that era because it, it leaned a little bit more pg-13 with the stuff in it like they say bitch Right. Grandma says the law's a bitch when it works against you isn't a jack. There is a racist joke in there that completely went over my head when I was seven. Oh no. <laughs> because <laughs> so in the in the first game against the Hawks when they were still D5 that Gordon Mambay is coaching, uh, it's the face-off. So uh Jesse and Terry Hall and Guy go to center ice against McGill, who is like a dick on the Hawks. And actually the actor who played McGill died recently of cancer, oh. very sad, RIP Michael Ooms. Um, and so he, McGill says, what is this, the Oreo line? And Jesse and Terry Hall are black, played by Brandon Adams and Jesse Smollett. And he, Jermaine is white, played by Garrett Henson. So when I heard that, when I was, I was like, I know what that means. <laughs> But now it's now it's canceled sorry sorry to say my text <laughs> is canceled uh, and no. then like and then so like Gordon Mame is a lawyer there's like an earlier joke so he uh, uh just won his 30th case and uh so he says uh he doesn't count one case because he scored the court reporter and his assistant's like oh the one you said had the intelligent body it's like this type of stuff that well, would, they would never put in a, a kid's movie. <laughs> certainly not. But in keeping with what we'll see from the Billy Crystal, entire Billy Crystal ceremony, and just in general, the whole tone of the show, I feel like is keeping so with that little... level of jokes, I would say. <laughs> uh, so uh, I wrote down some, you'll be surprised to know jokes. I wrote down about 58 notable movies for the year that were not the top grossing movies. But I'll just read off a few. And then uh, you tell me if you've seen these or not. I think uh, uh, Juice, M Mississippi Masala. You see either of those at the time? No. No, I did not. Saw them later, though. Solid movies. My Cousin Vinny, like I mentioned, just an all-time. So Your Mighty Ducks is my My Cousin Vinny. I saw that in the theater uh, with my mom in Port. And uh, just the greatest. I, I don't think I've ever, the only 
the movies I remember laughing hardest at in my life are my cousin Vinny and something about Mary. My cousin Vinny for me, my like, cousin Vinny is very funny. So I was 13 when it came out. It came out in March of 1992. Yeah, it came out the same day as Howard's End. Just the amount of vulgarity and the way that Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei say the F word, just nobody has ever said it better. They say it so well. I, w- I used to do, I haven't, I haven't had to pull it over the phone. I used to have this whole thing. I memorized. can't believe you don't know this by heart. <laughs> I do mostly know it by heart. It came back, but there's so many things I love about it. I love everything. I just truly love this movie. It is so good. But the scene I love is when they're in the cabin and she's like, my biological lock is ticking like this. And then his not- You do the, the foot tap too? I used to do that, but his part is even funnier. I, I'll try to do it. Like, he's like, he's so annoyed. <laughs> Again, things I love in movies is like, just- when you're so like aggravated, the permanently aggrieved and aggravated, like Gene Hackman, we were saying, does it so well. Joe Pesci in this does it so well. He's so mad all the time. And he's like, Lisa, I don't need this. I swear to God, I do not need this. I got a judge who's aching to throw me in jail. The way it's just the whole thing. So well done. An idiot who wants to fight me for $200. Slaughtered pigs, giant loud whistles. I ain't slept in five days. I got no money, a dress code problem, and a little murder case, which in the balance holds the lives of two innocent kids, not to mention your biological clock, your life, my career, our marriage. Let's see, is there any more shit we could pile on top to the outcome of this case? And he sits there like this. And it's just- <laughs> It is really great that he does it sitting down. So <laughs> He's so good. She's so good. The movie rules, loved it so much. The Cutting Edge, were you into that one? Oh my God, I love The Cutting Edge. Topia. skating, obviously, and Olympics. So I think I've told you this. So last year when I talked to Bill Lawrence, yeah. uh, uh, well, this was for Ted Lasso. Uh, and I specifically was asking about like, why don't you think there are more sports TV shows? Cause there's a lot of sports movies, obviously. And then he was saying that his wife was like telling him about this skating movie that he's never heard of called The Cutting Edge. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. How have you never heard of The Cutting Edge? And this was on a panel. And then everyone else, all these other showrunners like, Bill, how have you never heard of The Cutting Edge? So I do feel like it's been a little, like Bill Lawrence should have heard of it. Bill Lawrence, you're watching this. I hope you rectified that and watched it. Uh, But I think it has gotten lost to time. It's one of those movies that is not like, it's not like getting like a Netflix bump, you know, or whatever. It's like not around. Yeah, it's definitely a a movie like of its time and it has a, a cult following but it's not something that has grown over the years like my cousin Benny has no it, it is not and it is very much like the cult following is like people in our age group mm-hmm. range yeah no one young is like discovering it. it no uh another one th- that is probably definitely problematic now but I watched it was Ladybugs oh yeah Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor Thomas and uh, Rodney Dangerfield and Jack yeah. K good times White Men Can't Jump saw that uh, definitely should have been gotten more shine at this Oscars. Somehow reunited the cast at this year's Oscars. Well, yeah. Well, it is the thirtieth. It's it's better than what they did with Pulp, Pulp Fiction, Fiction for a twenty eighth anniversary. <laughs> so. uh, the Player was a movie I definitely watched. Like probably year two later on VHS. Love it. It's like amazing. The nominee for Best Picture. Absolutely. Uh, other ones I wrote down. Uh, boy, I could do this all. There's just so many. I could do this all day, like Captain America, but uh Encino Man. I wasn't a huge fan of Encino Man, but yes. Liked Polly Shore. Uh yeah. Far and Away, which is the Tom Cruise, uh, Nicole Kidman, Ron Howard failure. Yes. Rare to see a Tom Cruise failure, just an outright flop. Uh, but there was one. Uh Boomerang. 
That was on recently, a couple weeks ago on TV. So. Really fun. Didn't see that in the theater, but watched it at home. Loved Eddie Murphy. A League of Their Own saw in the theater all time. Yeah. Um, I, I like that too. Uh, yeah, I like I like Gina Davis in it. Uh, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I think is fraught and probably canceled now because of the people involved and whatever, but I really I didn't, didn't watch that it. until the series premiered. Finally. I actually never watched the series, but I liked the movie so much. I was like that contrary. watched Buffy the series. I've watched some, I mean, I've watched some of it, but I was not a big Buffy guy. Uh, Death Becomes Her, which Love I remember that. being like, it's a, it was a big special effects thing because of the way they like, you know, do the, do the effects, I guess. Uh, these are ones I'll just, I'll just I, like I said, I have like a hundred of these written down. Uh, uh, school Ties. Mm-hmm. loved it singles you can imagine was a big movie for me pearl jam has, has actual characters in it great movie uh i had a big thing this is a great time to be into uh bridget fonda she's all she's uh, you know I, I know she's basically retired now but she had single white female and singles this year uh great great twofer for her um yeah i have some of those I was I had a lot of other uh youth skewing youth youth skewing movies. two youths choice yeah two youths uh Beethoven sure yes uh, that was another indoor movie at school Newsies baby Christian Bale mm-hmm. obviously um honey I blew up the kid saw that one Rick Moranis I, I was saying this to you earlier the three most famous people in my life at the time of this Joe Pesci, Rick Moranis, and Harrison Ford. No one ever more famous than those three men. Patriot Games. <laughs> Patriot Games. Uh, great uh, time for these guys. Green Ninja is also another indoor movie. Yep. Yeah. At the 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 way the sequels happened, very weird because they filmed two of them back to back, but they were released out of order. Perfect. Yeah. Love to see it. Um, uh, a river runs through it. So, I watched it on cable. Never was super fond of it. I think it's it's a pretty movie. Also confuse it with Legends of the Fall. Not going to lie. I can see that. Um, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, which I saw years later. Same. Love it. Again, fully probably canceled now for a host <laughs> of reasons, but man, it was great. <laughs> um, what else is there? Oh, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, saw that years one. later. Yeah. I actually remember Reservoir Dogs. So I remember my dad watched it. Rant, like my dad would just watch I think he caught it on like Showtime or something I was like oh I watched this crazy movie last night Reservoir Dogs and I was like I don't even know what the hell that is and then like years later I was like holy shit Reservoir Dogs Grand Tarantino he rules mm-hmm. uh I, I haven't watched Reservoir Dogs in that long but it does hold up it's not bad it's, 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 I, it's, I haven't it's, seen it in a while I feel like that's the type of movie um if like he had debuted with it now it would have gotten nominated somewhere I have it down for a couple of things. <laughs> uh, the other ones I wanted to mention that I had written down too. Alas and Mohicans. Uh, yeah, remember what we were talking about last week for two years earlier with Dance of the Wolves and Mary McDonald yes. not playing a Native American. Yes. Yeah, didn't happen here. No. Uh, <laughs> Passenger 57. Have not seen that in a while. Saw it uh, right before the pandemic in Alamo Draft House. Absolutely awesome. Uh, Wesley Snipes, what a time. Always bet on black. <laughs> um, and Malcolm X, which should have gotten a lot more shine in this ceremony. Also should have been a lot shorter. <laughs> it's like three and a half hours. <laughs> it's three hours. 
I definitely didn't see it at the time. I definitely saw it on the double VHS. Love Malcolm X. Love Spike Lee. Uh, sure. A, other one, a couple other ones. And then we could go to the ceremony. Sneakers, I feel like maybe you would have liked. Mm, yeah. I, again, have not seen that in a while. I, I remember feeling like it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. What was it hyped too much for you? I think it was like based on the cat. Like, so I like Dan Aykroyd because he's funny from like Ghostbusters. And then it's like, oh, Sidney Poitier and like Robert Redford and all these people. But it, I, I, and I think River Phoenix is in it too. So it's like, yeah. it's like a good group. And I would love to watch it again, but I just remember being like slightly underwhelmed. And then Captain Ron, which is just a delight. Love a tropical paradise with Kurt Russell. Uh, <laughs> you get enough. Um, oh, and one last one, Muppet Christmas Carol, which I actually saw years later and I love it, but there you go. Great Michael Caine performance. Yeah, I'm not hugely into the Muppets movies, but that's a good one. It's, it, I, I actually love the Muppets. So the Muppets, I really uh, enjoy, actually, as it turns out. I like love the Muppets Take Manhattan. That one is great. Muppet Christmas Carol rules. I actually think the Jason Siegel Muppets is good. Uh, I like the new it. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Uh, so here we are. This is now the fourth year in a row for Billy Crystal. Uh, yeah, and he didn't want to do it. No kidding, uh, based <laughs> on what the result is. Uh, so I'm reading, uh, there's an Army Orchard column I found from 1993 that uh, Gil Cates returns, convinces Billy to host the Oscars again. And mm-hmm. Billy says, uh, he sent, Gil sent me a, a funeral wreath saying the show is dead without you. Mm-hmm. So when you have that kind of like ego boost, I guess, or like, no, he actually, he wrote it as a poem. It's in Inside Oscar. Please read it because I just feel like that's the, uh, that sets the tone is because basically Gil is like, the Oscars doesn't work without you, Billy. And Billy is high on that notion and off the success of like three really good so shows. He didn't immediately say yes to that because then, um, okay, so here, okay. So the poem read, roses are red, violets are blue. The show and I are dead without you. Uh, Kate's recall, quote, I thought, oh, he'll get a kick out of that, laugh about it, maybe change his mind, didn't hear from him, which was uncharacteristic, end quote. So then Gil Cates decides to send Billy Crystal a large box two days later. Uh, and, quote, he opened it up and there in the box was a horse's head and the horse's head was painted to look like his horse. And he told me the first thing that went through his head was, my God, the son of a gun killed my horse, end quote. Uh, so that's that's how we agreed. To- so that's how we agreed. That sets the tone. Um, I, it's just not good. We've watched a lot of these Billy ones. I would say like uh, this is not good. Why don't we? I will say. Well, well let's start with the, just the very beginning with the arrivals. <laughs> please start with the arrivals. Uh, this one, I don't know who the. There, we've watched a lot of these. There's usually a male announcer or a female announcer. My personal preference is the female announcer. The male announcer is the man who uh, was given, I won't even, I don't know who it is. So I don't want to like besmirch this, this person's reputation, but he was, he was the one who had to say that uh, the way he identified, he misidentified the Dances with Wolves actor as, as uh, Graham Greene. So not the, not the greatest, uh, greatest uh, the, 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 the woman I feel like is a little bad. bad. Yeah. This one wasn't that bad. There was, no. um, the distinguished Joan Plowright. But then what made this funny was immediately after Joan Plowright period was 
Morgan Freeman, period. That's it. Um, former Oscar winner and media mogul husband, Jane Fonda and Ted Turner. The way that one's worded, you send it to me on text and the way it's worded still makes no sense. Yeah, it no, sounds like- Like, why didn't you just say former Oscar winner, Jane Fonda? Correct. It sounds and, like Jane Fonda is the former Oscar winner and media mogul. Yeah. yeah. Let us edit this next Grammar. Time. Grammar, folks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, still sad, five-time Oscar nominee and a presenter tonight, Glenn Close. <laughs> the man who marches to his own drummer and nominated tonight, Jack Nicholson. Love that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, this one we referenced last night when we were doing our Emmys thing. Star of Basic Instinct and one of the industry's hottest actresses, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone, I would say, uh, gosh, what a sport. Because again, she is yeah. just like um, a break. So then this this twofer here, a double, you could say, star of Big and a League of Their Own, it's Tom Hanks. A stunning star in a league of her own, it's Gina Davis. That's actually pretty clever, though. I would say Hanks here is is either shooting or in the process of getting ready yeah. to shoot Philadelphia. Well, like he and Denzel present. They present together. Tom Hanks looks like a lead singer for a, a grunge cover band in this. Yeah, he's very, he's pretty emaciated. It's, it's also funny because you can tell that uh, Tim Robbins is also shooting Shawshank right now because yes. he's like full Andy mode. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. great. Um, oh, nominated eight times tonight will hopefully be a great night for Al Pacino. Yes. Yes. This one, uh, this is the only one I wrote down. Uh, a fine actor who's a presenter this evening and a welcome addition to any Oscar show, Raul Julia. Mm-hmm. All right. R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one I wrote down, I lied. I have one more. And that's Richard Harris and Anne Turkle. That was the last one. Wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was like an aerial view too. <laughs> so this is a show that had a lot of stars, I would say, not just among the nominees. You have like Clint Eastwood and Jack Nicholson. You have like Angela Lansbury is there. Elizabeth Taylor is there. Audrey Hepburn is getting a, a Herschel Award. She had died very, right around this time. Maybe she like died a, a earlier. week after uh, they announced that she was receiving it in January. And so you have Gregory Peck there, you have Bob Hope. It's like one of these one of these Oscar shows where you have a lot of like still living legit legends mixed with like Richard Gere, you know, or whatever. It's just, it, it, no offense, Richard Gere. He's the first person I thought of, but like a modern star. It's like, you wouldn't think of like Richard Gere and Gregory Peck being at the same ceremony, but there they are because, you know, they were still- And also this time, stars. unlike last week uh, when we did Dance with Wolves, they actually gave a standing O to Bob Hope. They did. And Bob Hope looked, even though it's only two years later, looked a lot older. Time He really, turned 90. He turned 90, but he was on stage. Like two years earlier, he was able to do like five minutes. They did like Bob Hope doing a tight five. Uh, mm-hmm. This time he barely was able to get out of his seat and wave to the crowd. So yeah. definitely uh, age, age catches up to you, even Bob Hope. Um, so Billy gets brought out on stage, pulled in on an Oscar by Jack Palance, who had won the previous year. Uh, and the City Slickers music is blaring. It is the Billy show. You could just, this is like the Billy show. And Joyce, I actually like legit LOL because he does the goddamn boop boop. And I was like, I knew he did it in multiple shows. I knew I wasn't just dreaming that. <laughs> it, you just like, you just remember this from like osmosis. It's like- Truly years. is. <laughs> uh, he is 
he immediately goes in on bad crying. I just wrote bad crying game jokes immediately. It's just like, there's no stopping. There are so many of them. I mean, how can you keep track? I was thinking like the way this, so this ceremony happens like a few months after Bill Clinton is inaugurated uh, as president. So Mm -hmm. it's one of these rare shows where, like I was saying to you, I think previously, like it always, the ones we've done, it always felt like there was like an election or some politics thing. This is like a lull because Clinton is one. He's now inaugurated. The right wing uh, machinery against him has not revved up fully yet. So it's like a real like lull in the, in the discourse. So Billy is left with like mocking crying game for having like a transgender character at a time when like that is a, not a thing that people are familiar with. And also like just promoting his own shit, I guess. Like it just is so- Mr. Saturday night. He checks it on at the end because he wants to see what it feels like to be a Best Picture nominee. He does the songs. Let me pull up the songs he does. They were not great. No, it was it was pretty bad. Uh, he he's playing to Jack a lot. He like loves having Jack there. He does uh, "Scent of a Woman." We we didn't even do the Best Picture. These are the five Best Picture nominees: "Scent of a Woman" to the tune of "I'm a Woman" by Peggy Lee. "Howard's End" to the tune of "Hooray for Hollywood." "A Few Good Men" to the tune of "Sound Off." The Crying Game to the tune of Love is the Tender Trap. And then Unforgiven to the tune Unforgettable. And like you said, he throws in uh, Mr. Saturday Night joke to see how it feels. Uh, it's also the year of the woman. Yes, please talk about that. So he <laughs> he intros it. This is I wrote this down. It, it, they decided, this was when the Oscars, like you had said previously, they had themes. So this year they decided, year of the woman, we're going to do it. Well, also because they were coming off the election and a lot of, not a lot, but several women were nominated or voted into office. So here's how Billy introduces it. Women in film. 1992 has been a very poor year for women's parts. Some of the most talked about parts are Sharon Stone's and Basic Instinct. Cringe. And then like Sharon Stone's guffawing in the audience, like goddamn Max Cady in Cape Fear. What an actress she is. There's no way she found that funny. It's totally insulting and reductive. Uh, then Billy goes, he makes a reference to Kim Basinger. Did you re- catch that one? Mm-hmm. He's like, nine million reasons. Someone talked to Kim Basinger. I had to Google that one because Kim Basinger was uh, ordered to pay $8.9 million for backing out of boxing Helena. She said she was going to do it and then said she wasn't and got sued. Great. So, great year for women. So far, we're batting a thousand. Then mm-hmm. he goes, it was a great year uh, for animated movies. And then at Disney's next thing is going to be an animated Amy Fisher story, Beauty and the Middle-Aged Beast. Mm. Uh, just awful. That like that, Those are the three main things I wrote down for his monologue. <laughs> that was all well, I had. So what they didn't include in the playlist on the Academy's yes. YouTube page is uh, uh, Bob Rainey, who was the AMPA's president at the time. So he comes out and then he says, tonight, we dedicate our efforts to the women who make the magic. This year, 36 women have been nominated in 12 categories. That's not equality yet but it's progress. Um, And this is just text from Inside Oscar. Uh, It also skewed reasoning since 10 of those nominees were in the categories 
where men were not admitted best actress and best supporting actress and four others were in the traditional female dominated costume design category um so then he bob continues saying quote today in every aspect of making and marketing movies women are moving into more positions of influence but women have always made vital contributions to movies and to remind us all of the strength and breadth of those contributions the academy recently invited all the women who have won oscars to a kind of reunion so before the show they had they had done this they did a photo op basically like a family photo album just of the living yes. female oscar winners and a Several uh, people showed up, including like Sally Field, like actresses, like famous people too, famous actresses. And they were all like in, in this inside Oscar, they were all just like, this is like dumb. Like, but, and it is, cause it's like so performative and patronizing and disingenuous. <laughs> like, I, so it was, this is obviously like, we're looking at this from 30 years later, but it was immediately just destroyed. I, I'll just read from the Wikipedia page. Cause you know, it's a great service and source. But uh, it was, quote, the telecast also received unfavorable reactions from various public feminist figures. In an interview with Los Angeles Daily News, author and activist Betty Friedan condemned the, quote, year of women theme, commenting, it has no basis in reality. Quote, on behalf of women directors, cinematographers, and producers, I resent the travesty of calling that a tribute. Likewise, the president of the National Organization for Women's Los Angeles chapter, a woman named Tammy Bruce, chastised the ceremony's feminist tribute as, quote, one of the most hypocritical patronizing things I've seen in my whole life. Then Gil Cates said in response, the theme, quote, the theme developed and raised consciousness in a way that I think is positive, not only for the individual in general, but for the individual women in spe uh, specifically. He also quoted a famous ancient Chinese proverb later made famous by former first lady, Eleanor Roosevelt saying, quote, it is better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. Sure. They really, really thought they were doing something here. They really, I mean, men, what do you expect? So oh my God. it's just, it's just uh, you know, just the gall really. And then you have later Barbara Streisand presenting best director. And, you know, she does this whole thing, like hopefully one day, you uh like we would just be able to award people not based on gender basically and yeah. at this point they had still only nominated one woman for best director because the piano had not come out yet it was coming out this year in 93 <laughs> and it'll be another 17 years before a woman won mm -hmm. and i also at this point a woman had not been nominated in cinematography and would be another 25 years before that happened so yeah this is how, and again, the tone of the show, I just found this is like, like I said, we've watched a lot of these. This one, I was just like, I just found the whole thing very toxic. I thought like, uh, like not even because of the, like we've had like, there's a Harvey Weinstein reference again, or Kevin Spacey one or Woody Allen or whatever it is. But like, uh, yeah, this one, I found the show toxic because I was like, even so like, the, so Billy does his bit, just not a good, not a good showing for our boy. Then Jack also, Allen's um later on, in keeping the theme when Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins present best editing. Uh, well, first of all, they, they do this whole thing, uh, their plea to free the Haitians uh, yes. locked up at Guantanamo Bay, right. which also riled up Gil Cates as we learn afterwards. Yes. But then they segue into editing and they give this whole speech about the contributions of female editors. And then they play a montage of, uh, uh, movies that have been edited or co-edited by women 
and they just Chiron the movie titles like put up their damn names <laughs> what are you doing here so bad this is how I uh, we'll go we'll go to the best picture and stuff and do all this but I just want to go right into Jack Palance because like I just wrote this down I was like I can't believe this Jack Palance comes out he's like doing a Jack Palance bit very like, long very long it's so again so indulgent uh to Billy and like his Billy aura basically uh and then Marissa Tomei he does best supporting actress Marissa Tomei wins freaking awesome win love it so much and then Billy and she has a really great speech I feel like and then Billy comes out of it and goes uh it comes out and he's like uh I just heard from Marissa Tomei backstage she wants to be called uh Marissa Rodham Tomei because and then later when she's presenting with Joe Pesci, that's how he intros her. Does it again. It doesn't even get laughs then. It's such a stupid joke. It's so ridiculous. He, it's like, so insulting. It, it's so insulting. It's, why is it bad that she wanted to be known as Hillary Rodham Clinton? That's her name. That was the name. She, she doesn't have to take anyone's name. That's her name. And then why is it a joke that he does twice? And why to Marissa Tomei? And why during the year of the woman? What is going on here? This sucks. The show sucks. It was so bad. I just couldn't take it. I thought it was so, such a and poor just, taste. It, it was just also so cringe when a lot of the winners kept referencing the year of the woman. I'm like, you don't have to do this, guys. You really don't. Oh, God. So we'll, we'll talk more about the show and the speeches and stuff. But we'll, we'll do, as we usually do, we'll go to the, the top award choice. Uh, best picture at this Oscars. We already mentioned the nominees were Unforgiven, uh, A Few Good Men, Scent of a Woman, The Crying Game, and Howard's End. Uh, um, yeah, and I, I don't really have a problem with Unforgiven winning. I like that movie a lot. I would definitely have Unforgiven winning of this five. I actually don't really have a problem with a lot of the, no well, I, I, I mean, mean, I have a problem with one nominee. Really. I mean, Scent of a Woman, I don't think is a very good movie. No, it's not. And I'm not sure a crying game holds up. It uh, has not aged well. Um, not just Billy's say, jokes. I think the movie itself has not aged well. Yeah. Um, but I think it mostly got in because it, was, it just felt so different at the time. And it was like, just like sort of just coasting on the, the secret or like the, you know, don't spoil this movie and the, the, the quote unquote surprise. Right. I, I actually say I think I don't want to speak for Neil Jordan I think perhaps his heart was in the right place but I think 30 years of of, of time has shown that some of the choices are slightly problematic in the movie mm -hmm. um, by playing it as like a stunt and by like reducing it to like or, or leveling it off with like comparing uh, Jay Davidson characters transgender identity with like Stephen Ray like IRA secrets are it's not the same yeah. so not the greatest the movie's probably I, I've not seen at I, the time it was just like it blew everyone's mind right I, I literally have not seen this movie in like I, I 29 years probably yeah. 30 28 years so you know I don't know if it holds up or not I'm just guessing it's not a uh, few good men solid solid Hollywood movie and Howard's End good movie I love Howard's End um it was a very well done, one of Merchant Ivory's best. I, again, I still think Unforgiven wins this. Yeah. And it's not even particularly close, I would say. This is like a Silence of the Lambs level, like obviously it won. Yeah. And like the thing is, it, it wasn't like it, Unforgiven was sweeping the precursors or anything. Right. So I guess we can get to uh, the rise of the Golden Globes this year as well. Yeah. So they were big on Scent of a Woman choice. They were big on Scent of a Woman. Um, Hoo-ah. Yes. 
please do that again. Hoo-ah! Uh, <laughs> I'll take a flamethrower to this place. Isn't that what he said? So <laughs> they, uh, so in Inside Oscar, they talk about, you know, all, all the freebies that studios were providing to the HFPA, basically, you know, like, we'll fly you out to like, blah, 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 for this press conference. And you could just schmooze with like Al Pacino and like all these stars or whatever. Uh, not, it, was, it wasn't just cinema, it was like multiple movies. But the thing was like the, the critics awards, like New York, LA, the big three, uh, National Society and a National Board Review, they had already announced their winners, Senate Woman did not win anything. Um, and it was kind of split too, but then in comes the HFPA <laughs> and it gives the, the best picture drama to Senate Woman. Al Pacino wins drama actor. Um, and then it, it won another one. I think it won three. Director, I think. No, no Clinton won director. No, but, no, uh, Clinton won director. It won screenplay? Did it win screenplay? Yeah, it won yes. screenplay. Yeah, for both. It won screenplay. Yeah, so it was just like, whoa, like what is happening here? So then there's like this whole <laughs> section in here um, after it wins. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so two weeks later, Bernard Weinrob, the New York Times' Tinseltown correspondent, expanded upon Variety's expose about the freebies, reporting that, quote, Hollywood is buzzing that numerous members of the foreign press group flew in mass to see the film and to meet Al Pacino, the star of the film before the vote, end quote. Um, so Variety had, matter of fact, reported that Son of Woman trip was a gift from Universal. The Times reported that had echoes of Rashomon. Quote, one executive said the studio paid, another said the foreign press group might have doled out some money for the airfare. And the Hollywood Foreign Press Association says it's not really sure, end quote. And the president of HFPA wondered, quote, what's the difference if he paid or not? Um, and then the, the Times reporter said, the junket for Senate Woman, quote, came so close to the group's voting to the groups voting for its awards, which then went to the unheralded film. So then it was like all this backlash, uh, so much so that Asia PA uh, placed a full page ad in the trades uh, and it was called an open letter to the industry. And it said, quote, the members of Asia PA would like to refute strongly the suggestion that the win of Sen of a Woman and the recent Golden Globe Awards had to do with anything but the merits of the film. To insinuate otherwise does a disservice not only to the integrity of our membership, but to the artistic contributions of the film's participants. And then, oh, it has always been easy for some of our colleagues in the domestic press to dismiss our work. Is it ignorance due to our accents? Is it unacceptable if any of our members complement their income with other work? Or in this case, is some domestic press being used by disgruntled parties? We urge them to take a long, hard look at their attitudes towards the foreign press, an attitude that we find at best condescending and at worst xenophobic. Wow. Yeah. And now look where they are. Who could have thought? <laughs> so those are the five. Uh, Joyce, I had, a, I had a list of an additional five. For the player. Name. What's that? The player. So I have the player for sure. Uh, nominated for Robert Altman for director. Fantastic movie. Absolutely yeah. love it. Uh, great Tim Robbins performance. Should have been nominated. 
Same. great supporting performance from everybody in the movie. No one really pops, but like Fred Ward legit could have been a contender. Whoopi Goldberg, I think, is amazing in it. Great you know, score. If, if Dag had existed, it should have won Ensemble. And I think it could have. Yeah. Uh, the other ones I had were Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Chaplin. Um, but you think that would have gotten in? I think it would have gotten in. It had multiple nominations and Downey is an actor. Yeah, maybe. Um, it also I mean, would have been a SAG nominee for Ensemble. Probably. Yeah, he, he did. He won the BAFTA, which was before yeah. um, the Oscars. I think if it got in, it would be like ninth or 10th. And then I have Malcolm X and A River Runs Through It were my 10th. I have Malcolm X. I think that would get in in 10. Um, and I mean, most of these could replace Son of a Woman, really. <laughs> They're all better than Son of the Woman. And then yeah. the other four I wrote down just that I would not think would get in, but if I was doing it, would be Reservoir Dogs, Last of the Mohicans, Basic Instinct, and League of Their Own. Okay. None of them would get in. I, I think like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross could get into Best Picture. I could see that. Um, and I could also see the bodyguard getting into just because it was so huge. I thought that, but I went with Aladdin for the big one because I was like, oh, that's like the I have the I have Aladdin and bodyguard. Wow. The two. I know. Nice. Uh, I don't know. If, I think if that was expanded to 10, my personal preference would be the player to win best picture of that group. Yeah. It's definitely my favorite or like Malcolm X. Like I said, I don't think Unforgiven is bad. I love it. It's actually really good. But yeah, no, it was a really good movie. And, you know, I like that it doesn't trade in absolutes. Again, it's, it's just like elevates the genre. Yeah. It's not just like good cowboy, bad cowboy. But the player is so good. It's oh my so gosh. Good. And I, I mean, I love any satire. I think, you know, they probably just couldn't handle it because it was mocking them. <laughs> I thought that, but I was like, they're all in it. So I know, many people are I know. in it. Half the industry it's, is in it's the not, movie. It's not the actors. It's like, the establishment you know right that's true um for best director choice we kind of talked about this with the best picture this is one of the years where pretty much leveled level like right on every everyone the same except for rob reiner it was clint for unforgiven he obviously wins neil jordan for crying game james ivory for howard's end martin breast for sentable woman which i'm going to take as a makeup nomination because he wasn't nominated for midnight run and then uh, robert altman for the player instead of rob reiner for a few good men billy in one of his song parodies makes a big show that Rob was snubbed. It feels like totally ungenuine because I'm like, they don't take Rob Reiner seriously as a director. No. So it wasn't really a snub. And I'm like, I like Rob Reiner movies. They're all really good. He had this amazing run in the eighties and nineties, but he did not need to get nominated for best director. It's a play. It's a script and a play. This show movie. It, I mean, I, I think he did a good job um, translating it to the screen, even though it, it is, it's, it's it's not like totally stagey it's not totally stagey but you know i'm not i i really again I, this is going to sound like insulting to rob reiner as a director but i'm like when you have tom cruise jack nicholson and demi moore and then every supporting player is like it's kevin bacon jt walsh you know it's like down the line they're just killer actors what do you really do? you're just like jack go do your scene you did it <laughs> it's great i mean you know he, I, I think, you know, just in retrospect, he probably should have been nominated at least once 
during his run. And like, I definitely agree with that. Nomination yeah. It. Yeah. Um, additional directors I wrote down. So Rob Reiner, for sure, because obviously he's the best picture nominee, even though I'm just killing him slightly. Spike Lee for Malcolm X. This feels like if this happened now, I can't imagine he wouldn't have gotten nominated. I don't know. I just. Yeah, it was just everything about the way like the his his really like his like antagonism with like the press at the time and yeah. like how he got the film made and everything was just it was rough back then <laughs> yeah uh richard attenborough for chaplin robert redford for river runs through it and then i put down uh, penny marshall for a league of their own because i just think that if i mean i honestly think league of their own get in for awakenings <laughs> she didn't get in for awakenings but a league of their own is a much better movie and like i actually think it's really solid and then uh Michael Mann for Last Mohicans would never happen. No. But it would <laughs> be, be cool. It would be cool. Uh, I think nowadays, if it was like right now and the seamless movies came out, uh, Mira Nair would have like a big a big push for, uh, for yeah. Mississippi Masala. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, who else did you think of, anybody? No. Like those were basically it. Really. It's tough when you talk about these because I'm just like, obviously Clint won and deserved to win. Unlike Kevin Costner, Totally fine with Clint winning an Oscar for this. Yeah, and in a way, this was also like it felt like it was Clint's time, and he finally just like made that movie. And like he is the sole producer on this movie too. It's pretty crazy when they announce Best Picture and it's Clint Eastwood and just rolls yeah. up by himself. And, and like Jack Nicholson doesn't even say Unforgiven first; he says Clint, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Clint. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, why don't we do Best Actor? So Al Pacino wins. For Scent of a Woman. The other nominees here are, I would argue, he all better. But here are the nominees. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. for Chaplin. Robert Downey Jr. never looking more like Kieran Culkin than he did at these Oscars, I feel like. I'm assuming he was shooting Home for the Holidays, maybe? At this time? Or he also presents with Alfred Wooder 23 years before they meet again in Captain America Civil War. So Great moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clint for Unforgiven, which is actually an underrated performance. Mm-hmm, yeah. And um, truly could have won here, honestly. He's so I don't good. Think at he would have won. It's, he's very good in it, but I think it's kind of, um, I, I think we've talked about this before. It, it just, it's one of those like lead performances in the Best Picture winner that just won't win. Right. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Ray for Crying Game, and then Denzel for Malcolm X. If I was doing this now, I would put Denzel for Malcolm X. I think I think that's what a lot of people say. And I think even perhaps Pacino would say, because it's such a great performance. He's so good. And it's like, man, getting Denzel to play Malcolm X, what a coup. And then just like killing the role. It's like so good. He's so good in it. I don't know. I just think he could have won and he should have won. Um, I, so Pacino obviously had the narrative that he never won. These were the these were the nominations yeah. before uh, Scent of Woman, Joyce. He had The Godfather, 1973, Best Supporting Actor, did not win. As dramatized in The Offer. As dramatized in that great show, The Offer. Uh, instead, uh, who won that year? Joel Grey and Cabaret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's like Corleone, but sure. Serpico, 74. Uh, nominated for Best Actor. Godfather Part 2, 75. Nominated for Best Actor. Loses to Art Carney, I believe, right? Yes. Tough Beat. Dog Day Afternoon, 1976. Justice for All, 1980. 
Danny Hudson get nominated for a full decade, but honestly could have won three Oscars in that seven year stretch that we just talked about. Like some of the best performance of all time and some of the greatest movies made of the decade of slash all time. Uh, Dick Tracy nominee, 91. Then he comes back with a double nomination in 93. Glenn Gary, Gillen Ross and Santa Bullman. And then he's not nominated again until the Irishman. So really like this was it. Get Alan Oscar and get him out of here. This was, yeah, it's like, we're sorry, we fucked up. 20 now, Glengarry Lynn Watts, he's awesome, man. Could have won yes, for that, would have been happy. He, honestly, if it weren't for Gene in Unforgiven, I'd be like, give it to him for Glengarry Lynn Ross. And it would have felt appropriate probably to have him win. Yeah, this uh, is a total makeup Oscar. Santa Woman know, is the definition of makeup Oscar. Yeah. We Okay, first of all, let's talk about that movie. It is way too long. I haven't seen it in so long. It's so it's I haven't seen this in a really long time, but I just remember it being so long. Actually, a lot of movies this year were really long, like Malcolm X. Howard's End is also long too, but I think it's um, well edited. But there's no need for cinema to be that long, and it's just like him, like hamming up. Who? Uh, yeah, and it's it's just funny to think that it it really was the Globes that sent him on this path. Like they it, it. <laughs> it's unbelievable and the other thing that's funny to me is that not only did i mean it's like it's shocking to me that they just gave him the oscar for scent of woman and then didn't even think of nominating him again now say what you about al pacino obviously he's made a lot of questionable movies i'd say in the last like three decades but certainly I made think enough, there's like donnie brasco certainly made enough really good stuff that he could heat donnie brasco uh you know, I, I don't, I don't have his IMDb up, but I know there are more than those two. Um, the insider, insider, devil's advocate, lol, but also awesome. Uh, um, any given Sunday. Uh, yes. You know, it's, it's really most uh, late nineties, really. <laughs> Carlito's way. Uh, I don't know. I just think there's so many other opportunities. There would have been. That they didn't even nominate him for any of these other movies is really it was just weird. Like, to we, me. we did it like we. It, it's sort of like I mean that happened with Susan Sarandon too, like we talked about. Um, except she actually won for a good movie, correct? Um, and a great performance, uh, and then she still hasn't been nominated since. And Al, the thing that made me like kind of sad—not sad—I'm very happy Al Pacino has an Oscar. Obviously, he's like one of my favorite yeah, actors. This is not a. This is not about like. Uh, let's give Al Pacino an Oscar for this movie and this performance. It's just let's give Al Pacino an Oscar. And he was so moved. And I thought his speech was really excellent. Like you could tell during the show that he was nervous, I think. And then like he wins, he gets like whatever. He actually, uh, he gives a shout out to the Associated Blind for their generous support, which I was like, that's actually really nice. And like the fact that he was thoughtful enough at the time, like nowadays, I'm sure it would be a fraught thing to have a, a sight, a seeing person playing a blind person. But mm -hmm. Uh, I think like the fact that he actually had thought enough to be like, let me go talk to people who are actually blind. So he had a full speech out. Right? Like, I thought that was good. And then he and he has this really nice speech at the end where he talks about like all the people who helped him in life. And then he talks about growing up in the South Bronx and met a young girl. And he's like, she said that I had encouraged her and that's not necessarily by my work, but just by the fact that we come from the same place. And I just can't forget that girl. And I can't forget the kids out there who may be thinking tonight that if I can do it, if they, if, if he can do it, I can do it. So this is a really proud and hopeful moment for me because I want to thank the Academy for giving us a gift of encouragement. 
And this is a gift, a great gift to me. I thank you all. Really, thank you. It's like, oh, Al Pacino, really touched by this Oscar. Yeah, and I, I like to think that because he did have to wait so long that he has a different perspective on it. Like, I don't think he would have given that speech or reacted in that same way had he won for like The Godfather. Or no, Godfather. also, I think he was high on quaaludes, he said at the time of The Godfather, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I think that's like a famous anecdote. That so he was if, if you could give him an Oscar for one of, the earlier nominations what would it be i mean for me i think i would do godfather part two because i think him in that movie is like unbelievable and then i actually have to see who won who won the year uh of dog day afternoon that was jack see this is my problem because i actually prefer him in dog day afternoon um but i was jack really in chinatown jack. jack in one flew over to cuckoo's next uh Honestly, similar performances. I don't know who I would take more. Um, so I think I think it'll be, I guess, like easiest or whatever to give it to him for Godfather Part Two instead of Art Carney. I mean, I think the other one you could do, but I mean, Jack Lemmon and Save the Tiger is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And Robert Ever maybe could have won for Sting and that's a great lineup. But I'm like, he's really great in Serpico Pacino too. I don't know. Yeah. I know, but I'd like... I, yeah, I do like Jack Lemmon in Save the Tiger. Right. Um, who was who was not nominated here for Glengarry Glen Ross. And should have been, because he's yeah. great. I mean, if I was going to give Al Pacino an Oscar, I would have said, like, I think, yeah, Godfather, probably part two. But I want to see what they missed of his, like, like, he kind of fell off the map, obviously, in the 80s for a little bit. Um... Well, there was Scarface. I mean, honestly, I would maybe done Scarface because it's pretty great. He's he's really going for it. Um, I don't know. I do think you can make a run for Donnie Brasco. He's wonderful in that movie. Uh, I love him in Any Given Sunday, though obviously he wasn't going to win like Best Actor for it. The Insider, I think he could have made a play that he wasn't even nominated. We haven't done the 99 one or 2000 Oscars yet, but I think Pacino probably should have gotten nominated for Insider. A lot of people should have been nominated for the insider. <laughs> it's just a crime. Uh, and I guess here's the thing. I was thinking about this too. If he doesn't, if, if Mal, if uh, Denzel Washington wins for Malcolm X here, right. Which is well, this probably, is what everyone talks about. If he had won for Malcolm X, would he have won for training day? Would he have won for training day, Joyce? No. Who would have won then? I actually think he would have won. I, but I don't think it, it was, the same because this is like we're changing the past we're, we're, we're doing a time heist because i think the <laughs> like the narrative would have been different had he already won a lead oscar he would have won two oscars in supporting and lead three years so ago. here's what i think would have happened then if he doesn't win for training day first of all if he <laughs> so if he wins for tra- if he wins for malcolm x <laughs> does will smith win for ali <laughs> And then he doesn't win this year. And then Andrew Garfield wins this year and he doesn't get slapped. Nobody gets slapped. Is this your way of getting Andrew Garfield an Oscar for Take Take Boom? <laughs> well, because the other nominees the year Denzel won it for Training Day, which is 2002, is Russell Crowe for A Beautiful Mind, who is perfectly adequate in that movie. And he also had won. Was, and then he assaulted a BAFTA producer. Sean Penn for I Am Sam, which, which no. holy God. Will Smith for Ali and Tom Wilkinson for In the Bedroom. I, I really Tom- like In the Bedroom a lot. Definitely the film Twitter pick is Tom Wilkinson, but I think you can make the case that Will Smith as Ali would have won 
if Denzel did not win for Training Day? I mean, you really could have because I, I remember when those nominations came out and it was like uh, like Will Smith's first nomination, you know? And it was like a huge deal, like huge star. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, you have this, you would just have to think like they wouldn't go back to Russell. I don't think they would. And because, especially because it's Russell's third. It's his third it's consecutive a, nomination. And it's and his worst just, performance. It's his worst performance of those three nominations. Um, yeah. And it's also funny because he was like sweeping everything. Because then for Gladiator, he wasn't winning like everything. That was a very split race. And right. he won that. Yeah. And Gladiator rules. And he's awesome in it. And Insider rules. And he's awesome in that. Um, anyway, that's best acting choice. The other people I had, <laughs> the other people I had written down, uh, Anthony Hopkins for Howard's End. Yes, yes, please. Tim Robbins for The Player. I actually put both of them in over Pacino and Stephen Ray, probably. So, and um, I actually, yeah, I, Tom Cruise for A Few Good Men, I think is actually really quite good. Michael Douglas for Basic Instinct and Joe Pesci for My Cousin Vinny. I would do Joe Pesci and I would also do Michael Keaton for Batman Returns. Great, great pick. Uh, I'll have a Batman Returns, uh, two Batman Returns I have, performers. I, I'm going to be mentioning Batman Returns again. Yes, same. <laughs> uh, all of all these people we mentioned are better than Al Pacino and Santa Blumen. Hoo-ah. You know. But another meme before a meme. Everyone memed it. Ooh, yeah, wow. again, yeah, that that's all you know that uh, about that movie, that hoo-ha. Uh, again, Crying Game. <laughs> it's like, crying Game? And then hoo-ha. Crying Game, A Few Good Men, hoo-ha. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Hoo-ha. Uh, best Actress Choice. This is a solid list. The nominees were Emma Thompson for Howard's End. She won. Loved her winning. Loved her speech. Emma Thompson, more Oscars. Give Emma Thompson more Oscars. Here it is. And always presented by Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. Uh, Catherine Deneuve for Indochine, Mary McDonnell for Passion Fish, Michelle Pfeiffer for Love Field, and Susan Sarandon for Lorenzo's Oil. And I'll tell you what, at the time, and even now, those three movies are all the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> they all run together. I have no idea which Well, this is right. also, you know, as Billy referenced in his monologue, like not, not a lot of great female parts. No. Uh, to fill out the list, here's what I came up with. I have two absolutely should have gotten nominated and I would have, God bless Emma Thompson. Sharon Stone should have gotten nominated for Basic Instinct and then she should have won. It's an incredible performance. She's so good. I love Sharon Stone. She's a fantastic actress. It is an explosive star-making performance. She balances the tones, plays this incredibly ridiculous character and just owns the movie. It's it's a wonderful performance. You really should watch this movie. It's so good, Joyce. I uh, no, I mean, like, again, now. Like, it's so good. <laughs> and Whitney Houston for The Bodyguard, I think should have gotten nominated. Um, Whitney is one of the better singer-turn-actor performances. Yeah. I, would I mean, say. she's like a real presence in the movie. It is definitely, I think Lady Gaga is a better actress, but I would put it on the same level as Lady Gaga in A Star is Born. Um... If that movie came out now, what like what would that campaign be like for the bodyguard and Whitney Houston? <laughs> like, it would be uh, a lot of I went method on set and like I'm in therapy now and uh, all these different things and fame and uh, you know it would just be the actors on actors for that for Variety would have been unhinged. It would have been Whitney Houston and like I don't even know who. 
you know, Zendaya or something, put them together. Uh, um, I I have Meryl Streep for Death Becomes Her. Wow. The I other person that. I have was Gina Davis for League of Their Own. I also have her too. Um, so if we put those three in and four, I mean, like, like I said, I love Emma Thompson. I think the others are all interchangeable to me. I don't know. Yeah, this was like a pretty obvious win for Emma Thompson. Um, although in Inside Oscar, uh, some people were predicting Susan. And then on the red carpet, uh, someone told Susan that like she was like predicted to win. And she's like, really? Who? Because all I hear is Emma, Emma, Emma. <laughs> but Emma Thompson, great in Howard's End. Just like a luminous performance. And this is really her big uh, breakthrough, not just because she won an Oscar, but just uh, because she had been so associated with Kenneth Branagh to whom she was married at the time. And they had done a lot of films together. They were like the British power couple. Mm -hmm. And he was also nominated this year for a short film. He was not there because he was doing, I think, Hamlet or something back home. And he was watching on on a satellite dish, I think she said. Yes, yeah. yeah, so this was like the the beginning of her like international fame, right? Because then the next year she gets a double noms. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to talk about Remains of the Day, one of her her and Be- uh, her and Anthony Hopkins' uh, best films. So I guess we'll do that next next week. Mm-hmm. That's a good year. I can't wait for that one too. Uh, a lot of good movies that year. Um, I don't know, and I mean I. I had nobody else really. I don't know. I think you could put these people in though. Whitney's, I mean, Sharon, I honestly was like, Sharon Stone should win best. She's so good. I love Sharon Stone so much. We did not respect Sharon Stone enough as a culture uh, in the 90s. She was a, a tremendous star and a great actor. She became famous at the wrong time. Here's the thing. She actually was like, I mean this, like she really is like a major massive star. Like you cannot take your eyes off her on camera. I think she's so compelling as a performer. And then she's also a really good actor. I think she actually is so like, like we saw with like the Oscars, everything's going to talk about how hot she is and everything. And obviously like basic instinct is like, you know, she's, she's completely naked for a lot of the movie, but like, man, she's also, such a good also actor. Caught out when she uh, has claimed that she did not know. Yes. That yes. she would be filmed. Uh, so. She's so good in it. It's just like, she's a really good actor. I no, mean, I agree. Great yeah. in Casino, great in Quick and the Dead, great in this, like on and on. She, she, she just has this like very effortless confidence and you just can't really teach that. To she's someone. also so likable as a performer, even when she's playing terrible people. Mm-hmm. I find that really compelling. Like you're like not rooting for her in Basic Instinct, but you're not like, this lady sucks. You're like, yeah. She has that like Ray Liotta. She actually has that like Ray Liotta thing we were talking about with Goodfellas, where it's like you know you shouldn't be drawn to this person, but like but they're so like, charming. Like Gene Hackman in Unforgiven too. Like yeah. this guy is a sadistic asshole. Yeah, but you're also kind of sad when he dies. <laughs> Correct. It, it's a really talent. Like I mean, she's like on that level, and I think like this ninety, like that she doesn't have an Oscar from this like her '90s fame is like kind of of a bummer. I'd say because yeah, it it's. Like she's she's kind of like due for like a great like meaty supporting part in like an indie. I'm hoping that she'll get that guest actor nomination for for uh for flight, flight attendant. attendant. And I, I I hope that gets her like a rebound kind of uh renaissance, let's say. Um best supporting actor, Joyce. Uh our guy Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, no notes, great win. 
The other nominees are Jay Davidson for The Crying Game. Jay Davidson made two movies, basically, The Crying Game and then was the villain in Stargate and then retired. I found an article from a few years ago by Kevin Poloey uh, for Yahoo from 2019 where he talked about Neil, to Neil Jordan and Neil Jordan said uh, very wisely, actually, Jay made one other movie for which he made a ton of money. That was Stargate. I think he made a million dollars. He then said, look, this is not for me and went back to his life. So good for Jay Davidson. Yeah. Even though he had to sit there and get mocked for three and a half hours in front of a billion people, as Richard Gere said. There's like a, a whole section in, inside Oscar about like, uh, will he or will he not attend? Because this is just like not his scene, you know? Right. And also they were, again, like we said, they were still trying to keep this a secret after nominations. Correct. Uh, <laughs> Jack Nicholson for A Few Good Men, fabulous performance. Like this is a really good category because I'm like, you have Jack for A Few Good Men, and Al Pacino for Glenn Gary Gillum Ross. And Gene Hackman. <laughs> and Gene Hackman. All three of those are like all-time performances. And if any of them won, I'd be like, sure. Like, I think Gene Hackman obviously deserved to win. But man, those other two are really great. And then David Pamer is the square peg for a round hole winning for Mr. Saturday Night. Winning. I mean, sorry, nominated for Mr. Saturday Night. I just did a, I just did a announcer from last week when uh, What's-His-Face was an Oscar winner. Ron Silver. Ron <laughs> Silver Oscar winner. Uh, David Payne from Mr. Saturday Night playing Billy Crystal's brother. So I have I have some suggestions on who to put in. As do I. <laughs> uh, the two I, I really were focused on were uh, Tom Hanks for A League of Their Own and Danny DeVito for Batman Returns. I also have Danny DeVito for Batman Returns. Great uh, performance. Totally memorable. Should have gotten in. Uh, I, I, it's funny because when I was thinking about A League of Their Own, I was like, if they were going to nominate that movie in any category, it would have been for Tom Hanks. It would have. And <laughs> he probably should have got nominated. He's so good in it. Yeah, is. This is like, really, really like pre-Hanks, obviously. Like he's still comedy yeah, Hanks. He hasn't, won yet. Mm-hmm. he hasn't won yet. And he's still not taken seriously, I think, as an actor or dramatic actor. No. But he's great in a league of their own. Yeah. And if I put both Danny Vito and Tom Hanks in, I guess I would take out uh, David Paymer and Jay Davidson. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have Robin Williams for Aladdin voice acting. Also very well done. And I had mentioned him earlier and I have him on my list too. Yeah. And then I have, are you ready for this? Yes. Lane Smith, not for my cousin Vinny, but for the Mighty Ducks. Big year for Lane Smith. No, you have to watch it. No, he's so good. So he plays, if you don't know, Jack Riley, the coach of the Hawks. Yes. Or mommy's old coach. And he's just like such a dick, like the villain, but it's such a great, fun villain performance. Like he's such a jackass, like so devious. There's obviously a lot of repressed anger going on and just a conniving jerk, hard ass, like riding these kids. His motto is it's not worth winning if you can't win big. Mm-hmm. Um, in the flashbacks in the beginning, when like little Gordon Bombay has to take the penalty shot, like he tells him now if you miss this shot you're not just letting me down you're letting your whole team down too it's like this pressure <laughs> lane smith was such a great character actor so great uh, i love him so much and he died really young um of als sadly in 2000 very sad uh he's so good in my cousin Vinny. i yeah. absolutely love him and this is like a complete opposite performance even though he's like sort of the enemy in my cousin yeah. Vinny as the prosecutor but this is like full-on jerk He's just one at all costs, plays dirty. And he has like his money scene, like this will be his Oscar clip is when he confronts um, Gordon Bombay after they uh, realize that Adam Banks, the best player in the Hawks should be on the ducks because of the strict lines. 
and he just like lays into Gordon Bombay about like why did you quit I I taught you how to win I taught you how to score I taught you how to go for the W and then he says you could have been one of the greats now look at you you're not even a has-been you're never was like the sickest burn (laughs) really great burn uh here's here's it so the I think we've like I think if this was a few years later when it was the independence day Joyce I think you could have made a case if like the same list of movies was not like up you would have at least one or two of the Reservoir Dogs guys. Yeah, and so also, the thing was that this was like the, the the nascent stages of independence. They actually mentioned that. Billy mentioned, I think, in his monologue. He's like, rise of the independence. It's like, wait, just wait, Billy, when you got F an English patient up there. You know, it's like... Just shit. wait until you see what Harvey's going to do. <laughs> I kind of... So I, was, I, I wrote down all the guys from Reservoir Dogs. I think if it was like 1996... Instead of this year or nineteen ninety six, they debuted in ninety six. Yeah, I think uh, Michael Madsen would have gotten nominated for Reservoir Dogs, and maybe Steve Buscemi. I don't think Roth and Keitel would have gotten in in that year. If it was like if Reservoir Dogs came out in like nineteen ninety seven or nineteen ninety six, I think it could have gotten one of these one or two of these guys in. Yeah. And I don't th- I think Roth would have been like a tweener because he's like the lead. So he's probably not good enough for strong enough for a lead and not enough for two like not yeah, enough so for supporting. In supporting, I guess yeah, we could we could drop James Woods. <laughs> and then the other person I wrote down was like, what about Billy Bob Thornton for one false move? Wow. He wouldn't get in, but I'm like, I think if it was a few years later, he could have gotten in. Yeah. I mean, we know how much they love Billy Bob. Damn, they love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, supporting actress, Joyce. We talked about this earlier. Marissa Tomei wins for My Cousin Vinny. Goddamn, what a win. Love it so much. I can't believe for years people are so... What a celebration of Year of the Woman where you're so sexist you think that Jack Palance is so dumb he read the wrong name. It's, it's so dumb and ageist as well. That like, and he doesn't even. I gotta say, he does a better job reading and doing, even though he's on, does too long of a bit. He does a better job. Uh, he doesn't stumble at all. He just is like, Mr. Tomei. Yeah, and it's actually a very classy presentation. Though I will say, I think he kind of got Judy Dave. Uh, Judy, I Davis. think he just read the next line first, but he corrected himself. He said Joan, and then he was like, Judy Davis, because no, Joan- that part, but he also was like, We have it's the first time we ever have four of uh, five international actors. Oh, yeah, 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 four English actresses and someone from Brooklyn and Judy Davis is pissed because she's Australian and she did yeah. not look happy with that joke. No. But, and like, also before his punchline, Marissa was also confused, yes. <laughs> but it's a good punchline. Uh, uh, yeah, no notes on this win. This is obviously a huge shocker. It's so surprising that everyone has to try to bring her down and say that Jack Palance read the wrong name. So and we don't know that what would happen if the wrong name was read? Who would have won, Joyce? Who was supposed to win? Judy Davis? Is that really who they um, expected to Joan, win? Joan Plowright. Or Joan Plowright? She was like the, the slight favorite because she won the Globe. I mean, um, give me a break. Like, I feel like I look at this list and I'm like, no kidding, Marissa Tomei won. Like, it's such a is, wonderful okay, also, difference. To harken back to our guy, Billy Bob, when you listen to when the nominees are read, she gets the loudest applause of the five, not as loud as Billy Bob's. But still, the loudest she gets, she gets cheers. She gets legit cheers. Fan favorite performance. 
and it's a it's, wonderful it's so, moment. It's so great because it's also a comedic performance, and you know they don't go for those all the time. Um, I gotta say, it's. I mean, again, I've watched that movie a million times. She's so good in it. It's like, God, she's just so confident and so funny, and like matches Joe Pesci beat for beat. Like it's really and then great. She has the best scene in the movie, like it, the court scene. <laughs> the court scene is great. Uh, it's just like she's so good. Yeah, and I know, like, you know, some of the theories were like, oh, she won because she's the only American in the lineup. And I'm like, maybe, I don't think they really think like that. I think they just really love that performance. Like, this is, this was, like, the little movie that could, you know? Yeah. Like, no one expecting it to, to have this staying power, especially now, like, 30 years later. Like, who who has watched, who has, I mean, I, I like Howard's End, but most people have not watched that movie. I don't know anyone who has seen Husbands and Wives or Enchanted April or Damage. At all? I mean, I've seen Husbands and Wives and it was I, I, like- I've seen it, but like, I mean, most of my friends, I get, I can guarantee you if I ask most of my friends, they have not seen these other movies. <laughs> I, I mean, I have not seen Damage. I gotta say, I'm just saying, like, I'm not seen- This is also like a big year for Miranda Richardson because it was like, oh, what was she got nominated for? Because she was right. also in Enchanted Crying Game, right? Yeah, yeah in Crying Game. Uh, yeah, so like I said, I mean, like on paper, again, Pacino won an honorary Oscar basically here, but Pacino, Emma Thompson, Marissa Tomei, and Gene Hackman, that's like the best four, those actors, that's like the best four actors we've had, I think, doing this. I would say like three of them went to the best performances in those categories. Yes. And then the other one just went to a guy who should have won an Oscar for better performances 20 years ago. Yes. (laughs) But still like a really solid list. Of winners, uh, I'm trying to think if I wrote anything down of these uh, from these speeches for supporting actress. Well, we have to nominate Michelle Pfeiffer for Batman Returns. So definitely Michelle Pfeiffer for Batman Returns. Uh, and a de- I here honestly here's what I had: Michelle Pfeiffer for Batman Returns and Rosie Perez for White Men Can't Jump. Legendary performance. If Rosie Perez is in there, I still think Marissa Tomei wins, but it would be a little closer, I'd say. Maybe. Um, really good in White Man Can't Jump. I, I kind of feel like it wasn't that close at all for Marissa. Not with that group, but I wonder if you put Michelle Pfeiffer in there, does it actually get close? I don't know if they're, they're ready yet to award a, uh, a comic book performance. And the other two I wrote down are personal favorites of mine, Lori Petty in A League of Their Own. But I know people think she's so obnoxious, probably. And uh, Bridget Fonda for singles. Joyce Abbey is a huge Bridget, Bridget Fonda fan. <laughs> Very much love that. Love that actress. She was great. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad that Marissa has now been vindicated thanks to La La Land and Moonlight. So. Yes. I thought you were going to say because of Aunt May and Spider-Man. She's so good. I mean, yes, RIP Aunt May and Spider-Man. So you, you, you need to be an Oscar nominee to play Aunt May in any Spider-Man film. Yes. I wonder in the next one, maybe it'll replace the in the multiverse or something, right? Um, so uh, we're gonna do, we could do screenplay here if you'd like, or- Screenplay presented by, it, it was a bi-coastal ceremony. <laughs> so again, they do, they reunite. Like I said, this show is running on fumes. I, I honestly think it's not the greatest one. So they have Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft reunite for graduate to present in the Rainbow Room in New York. Oh gosh, deadly. Yeah, because they start reading the nominees and they pause for applause and no one applauds. 
and it's just so rough. So the, the nominees for original screenplay are Crying Game, Neil Jordan, he wins. Husbands and Wives, Woody Allen, the customary Woody uh, uh, nomination, right at the, in the heart of the, the time. This is the scandal time for Woody. Yeah, the, the Dylan Farrow. Yes, Mia Farrow. allegations. Yeah. And he had split with Mia. This is the last movie he did with Mia. Uh, just all kinds of yikes. Lorenzo's Oil, George Miller, and Neil en- Nick Enright, Passion Fish, John Sales, and Unforgiven David Webb Peoples. So this is like, again, we've talked about original screenplay going to the cool movie that is not going to win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of alternates, starting with Basic Instinct and My Cousin Vinny and League of Their Own. If you've made it this far in this episode. I would nominate. Um, yeah, I, th- I think My Cousin Vinny would get nominated today. I think A League of Their Own would too. Mm-hmm. And I think... Basic Instinct honestly could too. It's so good. The script is great. Joe Esterhaus, I think, was not very well liked in the industry because he was like a Shane Black type, making a lot of money for his script. So, um, and um, then Res- Reservoir Dogs, I mean, if it was in now, I think that would get the, that's an easy Tarantino nomination. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they love him in, in writing. Just, yeah. <laughs> uh, and if I was knocking movies out, I'd knock a whole bunch out. Husbands and Wives, Lawrence and Soil, Passion Fish. Hit the road, Jack. Whole category. <laughs> Hit the road, Jack. We got other guys coming in. Also, then, um, Neil Jordan was like going to the bathroom when this yes. category was announced. <laughs> Incredible. Neil Jordan does not thank Jay Davidson. Tough beat. And also the camera, because they were they didn't know where Neil Jordan was. Uh, when it cuts back to LA, the camera is on Jay Davidson. <laughs> uh, adapted screenplay. Howard's End wins for Ruth... Uh, uh prior uh i'm gonna butcher this name I, i'm gonna i'm gonna pull it <laughs> great and then enchanted april nominee the player nominee river runs through it nominee and scent of a woman nominee well thank god scent of a woman did not win um i mean this I w- was always going to be boots yes but i would have been into the player uh personally yeah, the player would be a good win. Um, and they obviously also did not nominate Aaron Sorkin for adapting his own play. So Sorkin, and, and I thought Spike Lee for Malcolm X would have gotten nominated if this was like now. Mm-hmm. Also, can I can I read that uh, amazing Sorkin quote? Yes, love it so much. So, okay. So he's obviously at this time, Aaron Sorkin was a newbie in Hollywood. So it says, Being in Hollywood was a completely new experience for Sorkin, who admitted to the Los Angeles Times that he wasn't, quote, part of the scene, but don't get me wrong, I'm absolutely the sort of person who would love to go to their parties. I find the money and level of attention very seductive. I'm materialistic, and I love to drive a Porsche, end quote. I mean, yeah, at least he's honest. Uh, And then that was it, basically, Uh, you know. I have no other notes. Aladdin wins a bunch of songs, right? Whole New World. Um, yeah, Holy World Deserve. I have some notes on original score, though. So let's go there. Uh, Alan Menken wins for, for Aladdin. Yeah. Again, Jerry Goldsmith for Basic Instinct. Hell yes. Great score. Great score. John Barry for Chaplin. This is when John Barry is racking up nominations. He won uh, when we did this for Dance of Wolves, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, last week. Howard Zen, Richard Robbins, and River Run Through It, Mark Isham. Yeah, so I would nominate uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, a great score. Mm-hmm. Death Becomes Her, another great score by Alan Silvestri. Yes. Um, underrated, really, for even though he, he's done so many great scores. 
Um, and then Are You Ready? The Mighty Ducks by David Newman. Wow. Great score. You need to listen to it. I was going to say My Cousin Vinny. I actually don't even know who did this score, but it's so great. The theme rules. Uh, Randy Edelman did the score. Oh. Mm. So he also did last, oh, he was in Music Department for Last Smoking Games. Um, yeah, I'm always like, this is when Disney's winning scores, like obviously like Hans Zimmer won for Lion King. I don't think of these movies as having great scores though, personally. Well, we, as we know, when we did, uh, was it two weeks ago now? Yeah. The Braveheart year, that's why they split. Yes. Or into dramatic and comedic because people were getting annoyed that Disney was dominating. But I, I don't know why Disney was dominating these, honestly. I think... I think because people the equate the songs. The was that like, they, they, they thought people were just voting for the songs, which are great and yeah. are deserved winners. But the underscore is kind of similar sometimes. You know, it's just they take like the same theme and or like they're, they're writing a song using theme. So they're right. kind of similar. And, um, and I think like, you know, those movies do have probably the most music. Yeah, than, like, I mean, they do. A uh, whole new world wins for Aladdin over Friend Like Me. What do you think about that? That's t- totally fine. Um, that's the famous song that everyone knows from. Mm-hmm. It was a, I, I had to learn that um, in piano, A Whole New World. <laughs> it is a great song. I, 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 like I said, Aladdin still cooks. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun watch and the songs are good. Uh, anything else here, Joyce? Uh, makeup goes to Dracula. Editing goes to Joel Cox for Unforgiven. So what, what, one thing I like about this year, though, is that Unforgiven, even though it was the big winner, obviously, it won four awards, it did not dominate. It did not sweep below the line. So we had really a, a nice uh, spreading of the wealth mm-hmm. here. So you have a reverence through it for cinematography, a good win. Mm-hmm. Um, Dracula for costume design. Howard's End, very deserving art direction win, now known as production design. Just mm-hmm. gorgeous set pieces in there uh sound to last the mohegans um yeah makeup dracula visual effects stuff becomes her yeah and unforgiven takes editing so it wasn't complete dominance no it's it's a solid list and like they said these are like really good movie i actually think there's a lot of good movies here it's so funny like we've had so many of these where the movies are bad and like the show has been really fun and this is the opposite i feel like the show is not good and the movies are actually really good. Should we, uh, wrote, should we talk about the, the disqualification? Yeah, um, go, I, I, I briefly looked at that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Billy made a joke about it. It's some very xenophobic racist comment, I felt like. Um, so they, they had to disqualify a film from foreign language um, because it was actually Argentinian. Or no, it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, yeah, so they, it was Argentinian, right? Or no, am I mixing this up? <laughs> I actually don't, re- I don't, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> we could look it up, hang on. Um, and so it was a, a place in the world and they they basically just like went next door. Right. Uh, to get submitted. Yeah, it's, it's from Argentina. And then they went to Uruguay and it was submitted as a Uruguayan film and then they, it was nominated and they realized that, oh, it's actually not from Uruguay, it's from Argentina. So it got disqualified. It's bad. 
the show ends and then i wrote this down the the, the feed on youtube that you can watch all these on the academy youtube page it has it's just literally ripped off like the abc affiliate in in la basically and so there's a promo for nightline barbara walters later on nightline the oscars celebrate women and the movies but is that a joke my special guest goldie hahn tonight that made, that made me laugh <laughs> great stuff it, it, it takes so many twists and turns and uh love it so much and it is right it, it was not a joke but it is a joke because uh it was terrible the way handled it uh yeah that was rough um i i want to mention the the honorary awards especially yes. elizabeth taylor and audrey hepburn yes um great choices for their work um with aids amfar and unicef respectively mm-hmm. and obviously uh audrey uh died and so her son accepted but so I guess it's it's sort of nice that they were getting this in, I guess, the year of the woman, but it's also kind of like they, like they, they've sort of like pivoted their careers because they were aging. I thought that too. I was actually, this is so weird, like in my mind, and again, because of like the way Hollywood, I think I'll, I'll chalk this up to the way Hollywood treats women. Uh, I was like, in my mind, Audrey Hepburn, when she died, was a thousand years old. And she was so young and like 63 63 years old. That's really young. I mean, Meryl Streep is how old today? Like 70 probably? 73? 73 years old today. So like Meryl Streep is still like crushing it, making a ton of movies and is like a major, major star. She's probably one of like the 10 most famous or like bankable actors or whatever actresses working. And Audrey Hepburn at 63 is basically like, to me, at 14, 15, a retired person who was known for being more associated with like UNICEF, which I knew, and like Amphar, than like... uh, Yeah, and Elizabeth Taylor was 61. And that's nuts to me, because they seem like they're just put out to pasture, basically. Well, yeah, that was like the whole... Because the other thing was, you had Clint winning, Gene Hackman winning... Uh, and they were in their 60s. Yes. And like they're still winning competitive Oscars. And making and making movies and being able to make movies that are like legitimately like moving the moving the dial. Yeah. Like, you know and I like mean? we like, all know like what happened with like Liz in the 60s, you know, with like right. her hair and everything. And then it was like, no, you're like ostracized. Like they did it to Ingrid Bergman as well with like her hair. And right. it's very very weird and I was like shocked that thing about that Audrey Hepburn died so young I was just like oh my gosh I can't believe that because like she was not making like she's not a significant actor obviously that's just what happens I mean you know you 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 watch feud you saw what happened to (laughs) their careers as they aged (laughs) unbelievable I mean like what was her last I'm looking it up now I sure people are like you're an idiot how do you not know this but but also a- like i i would say like when you're a kid when you're young like everyone just seems ancient to you no matter right. how old they are i mean she made like not a lot of movies joyce in my from my in my lifetime she was in one two three theatrical movies yeah so because there's women when you hit 40 <laughs> see ya yeah find something else to do <laughs> Uh, that's, that's all I had. This was, uh, like I said, really fun revisiting this year. I'm very excited. So next week we'll go into 1993 Mm -hmm. in film Schindler's list. Finally, Mm -hmm. 
We're uh, gonna have our um, Jane Campion, Steven Spielberg first match. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll say this a tease about Schindler's List, a movie that was such a massive deal and like such a, a profound uh, experience that my high, we went to see it in the theater during school. They like took our school to see it at the local. Oh, was that part of like social studies or something? Yes. Like yeah. that's how big of it, like it was like that kind of movie. Like we have to go see this. It's like going to be a learning experience uh, for Schindler. I Club. also saw that in school, not when it came out, but event like later in middle school. Truly like a, a massive, I think significant movie. So I'm excited to talk about that. And the list of best picture nominees that year are awesome. I think. It's a really good year. Yeah. And not even, and, and not even scratching the surface uh, for yeah. some of these movies. So uh, we'll talk about that, that this is, this is great. I, I, I look forward to getting off the, the Billy wagon for a little bit and, and going back to Whoopi uh, for next week. We, we need a break from Billy. He yeah, needs a this, break. He needs a break too. He was, he was definitely running on fumes. Uh, so talk to you then, Joyce. Bye. For all things Hollywood competition and awards, head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at goldderby. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.